Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. Great Scott! My name is Adam Russell. And it's Mike Forrester, cosplaying again for Nick Ambarian. I'm not doing Ryan Key this time, but someone else is cosplaying as Ryan Key. Someone else is cosplaying as Roy Kent, where Roy Kent supposedly lives right now, speaking of people with mustaches and beards. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I have neither of those things, a mustache or a beard, but this is Sarah filling in for William Ryan Key. Hey. Perfect. Hey. Sarah, as most of you should know by now, is the host of one of the two hosts of Princess and Scoundrel podcast on the network, and she is our friend and also goes by the name Mom Moshma. Nice. You should know that. Oh. Nice. Real nice. I was afraid of which name you were going to use, but yes, that is, you may call me Mom Mashma. <laughs> that one will work today. Allowed. We're also all very uh, sad together uh, as we're here stateside. Is every It seems like every single one of our Star Wars friends is uh, gallivanting all over the, lo- the globe, currently en route to Star Wars Celebration. And here's us, boring old people just holding it down on this podcast. I'm not mad or jealous at all. Nope. Not no. not bitter at all. Mm-mm. We're just here working. I'm feeling zero FOMO. I don't even like Star Wars, actually. <gasps> uh, it's okay. Uh, no, I'm really bummed out. But anyway, um, good thing Star Wars is still on TV, and we can um, we can focus on this until I open up Instagram again, at which time I will cry. Oh. So let's right now, <laughs> very quickly get into the Mandalorian season three, episode six. Let's do stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian Chapter 22, Guns for Hire, debuted today, April 5th, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description, thanks to Todd or whatever his name is, The Mandalorian visits an opulent world. That's some of the episode. Nailed it. Yeah. It's not false. I mean, that would be accurate. Yes, I would say so. Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, returning... After having directed chapters 4 and 11 of The Mandalorian, 11, if you remember, was the first appearance of Bo-Katan, and also features Korn and Mon Calamari. Nice. Cool coincidence. She also did chapter 5 of The Book of Boba Fett, Return of The Mandalorian, so, you know, I mean, it's Bryce Dallas Howard. What else do you say? Written by Jon Favreau, of course, 45-minute runtime, and guest starring probably the biggest, I mean, if you call three the biggest, Three of the biggest cameos are guest stars 
ever in Star Wars. Yeah. For sure in a show. Oh, 100%. So Lizzo guest stars as the Duchess, Jack Black as Captain Bombardier, and Doc Brown himself, Christopher Lloyd, as Commissioner Hellgate. We knew Christopher Lloyd had been cast. We heard those rumors last year, right? Or am I making that up? No, we knew that. Uh, it was news to me. I, don't think, I, think I completely forgot about it. There had been some pretty heavy misconception of what he was going to be. Yeah. So this, I can see why some people might have thought they had a one-up on what was going to happen in the story, and I can see why they would be disappointed from what was projected. But, you know, that's the show, baby. But there's a great meme opportunity in this whole thing, and I will not spoil it now so no one steals it from me. Uh, Maddie makes a a great point in the the patron chat. Captain Bombardier is such a Jack Black character name. I feel like he had to have come up with that name and the whole vibe of the character. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's perfect. People are divided on it, I'm sure. Sarah's feeling a little tentative about it, right? I am. I've got mixed feelings. But it was shocking. I literally was like, no way. When yeah. I saw Jack Black and then you see Liz, I was like, <laughs> no way. Like, it was shocking. It was very shocking. I have to admit, I knew that, I assumed the person that I saw next to Jack Black was a singer or something based on a few things, but I had no idea who she was. She didn't have her flute. Lizzo plays flute very well. She's a flautist? Uh, she's actually she's a, flautist. Like a super fantastic flautist. Yeah. Can she play Aqualung? That's all I care about. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. I, I don't have a direct confirmation of that. We could tweet at her, but yeah, I'm going to s- assume so, yes. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just, I love Jack Black. Sarah, I know you do too. We talked about this before the show. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw him like on my TV this big in the distance, I was like, holy f- Jack Black. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. I didn't hear a single line of dialogue <laughs> for the first two minutes that he was on screen. Because I was like, Jack Black. Jack Black is here. Look at Jack Black. Jack Black's in Star Wars. Look at his costume. And then he's got to like, be so pumped. And Lizzo, right? Yeah. Because what was it? Was it last season? He uh, on t- Twitter or something? He he made that post. He and he was he was doing his usual thing where he's dancing with all the mannerisms and him singing something about the Mandalorian, right? He am I thinking of the right? He does thing? a lot of TikToks. I think he did one of his like back backyard TikTok where he like did like yes, the intro. Yes. Yeah, yeah, super good. The, the funniest part, though, if we're on this subject, the funniest part of it is like, th- see him for who he is right now, this character, Bombardier. And then imagine him in Imperial ranks, like being mean <laughs> yes. to people. That's the part that threw, like, I, I imagine like he's standing off screen when Darth Vader is yelling at someone and Jack Black's like, oh, look what you did. Oh. <laughs> Imagine him raising his hand in a meeting with Tarkin and making a point about literally anything, how that would be received. Question, real quick, (laughs) hello. Just imagine like deep lunges down the halls, (laughs) right? (laughs) All right, so all we have to do is put hyperdrives on the TIE fighters and (laughs) chalo. We've got deep space tracking technology. Oh, this is a gift. It was him the whole time. This is a gift. Uh, do you also feel like maybe uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is a Lizzo fan and maybe that's how that happened? I don't know why I get that Possibly. Vibe. Yes. Why not? Th- why not? I could see that. This felt like Bryce Dallas Howard was like, who of my friends have not been in a Star Wars yet? Yeah. 
and who would I love to see in Star Wars? And let me pull them into this because we got three powerhouses in this episode. I wonder too how much of it, like if we wouldn't, like Jack Black obviously is in the spotlight by the time you're listening to this podcast because of Mario, because he's playing Bowser and that came out today. So I'm wondering how many people are like also feeling like I've seen Jack Black everywhere. It's like, well, but have you up until this press cycle happened? So, you know, something else to consider. Jack Black fatigue. Did you even see Pick a Destiny? Loser. (laughs) Doubt it. It's Jack Black's day. It is. All right. Also, um, returning, reprising their roles. I'm going to butcher this name. No, I'm not. I'm going to go for it. Simon Cassianides. Cassianides? Nice. I like it. Nice. I don't know. As Axe Wolves. Good enough. That'll pass. All right. And Mercedes uh, Varnado, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, as Cusco Reeves. Let's not speculate before we actually even start talking about the episode for real. But did, did we predict some stuff last week, Mike? Uh, you were actually right in our regards to uh, when you had asked me and Nick, you said, does Bo-Katan earn the Darksaber when she sliced the the little mech in half? And me and Nick were like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then all the Mandalorians, who are the only opinions that matter, said, it does make sense. Now she wee, has the Darksaber. So there yep. you go. Adam the Skull. Sick. Called it. Farsightedness, baby. Also... We'll talk more about this. Maybe we'll do an after-show after thing for uh, the patrons about Axe and, and Casca and uh, what they're responsible for, specific things happening out in the galaxy. We'll probably get there. Yeah. We'll put that, uh, put that on the board. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, first impressions, overall reactions, emotional reactions. Sarah, you go first as the most recent guest. What'd you think? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, let me give a huge shout out to my husband, Steven, because we watch every new Star Wars episode that's ever come out on Disney Plus together. The only time that we haven't was I happened to be in London for the season finale of Obi-Wan, which was like the biggest episode that's ever happened. So we watched that one separate. But today I was like, or yesterday when y'all asked me to come on, I was like, so can we watch this one separate? And he's He's a dream. And he was like, yeah, of course. So we've, he watched it also this morning. We've talked about it. And I think we both had the same first impression, which is the same one that you had. Like this was a fun episode. Totally. A lot happened like story-wise, but you've got it in the notes here. It felt like a Clone Wars episode. Yeah. The chase, the fight, the silliness, mm-hmm. the singing, the games, like literally everything about it felt animated, which was such a huge contrast to like, how dark the season finale of Bad Batch was last week, an actual yeah. animated show, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to then roll into this week of just, it was a fun Mandalorian episode. Like, you know, think what you think about the the cameos and everything and the story pacing. It was so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I loved it as well for all the same reasons. Mike, how about you? I'm on that, I'm on that train. I mean, the thing about the Clone Wars was that it was so obvious for them when they would make a tribute episode, right? So, you know, Zillow Beast hanging off the side of the building, very King Kong. And then we had our, you know, um, like every creepy doctor with uh, the blue shadow virus with the German accent. And, all. you know, like there were so many times in Clone Wars where you felt like you were watching a homage to something else, right? And that was kind of the charm of like basically filmmakers paying respect to other filmmakers and other pieces of work that inspired them to continue where they were. So it was kind of part of this cycle. This episode felt like we got an episode of CSI. We got the little, you know, 
some bongos and a kind of like a, mm, I'm curious, what what crime was committed here? Uh, then we also got full on action. Like I've never, I don't think I've ever seen like Din Djarin run for that long. So shout out to Latif Crowder Dos Santos for uh, not running like an idiot. He actually, like I'm, I'm rewatching the episode. He's just ripping through the city. Uh, we got to see a battle crew style. Yeah, full on running. Um, and then we also got some like great moments of of Mandalorian culture on on full display. Uh, this was a Clone Wars episode, and if you're rem- if you're remembering the wonkiness of how they would fit different themes within one episode, this should feel very much at home for you. Art direction wise, some incredible things in here, but from the droid bar to the overall ski- like the nighttime cityscape of Plazir Fifteen was gorgeous. Had Coruscant vibes, like just the whole thing. I'm like rewatching it being like, God, there's so many things I want to go through and translate and find what they did. But um, this was a wacky episode. It's what Star Wars used to be, baby. Clone Wars was the (laughs) only thing that was keeping us going for a long time. So don't get too assuming that Star Wars grew up because this episode lets you know that Star Wars is the same and your old grumpy ass grew up. So it's not as cool as Andor. Go to our stories. There's a great clip by Van Lathan from The Ringer. I don't know which podcast he's he's talking about this on. They were talking about some Marvel stuff, but he made a point about Marvel, this thing that we now have, that Mike speaks exactly to your your initial fear with Andor. It was so grown up and so serious that it was just going to be fuel for people to hate on new shit that wasn't as like prestige drama style. And here we are. He makes, uh, he makes a pretty great point. I put it in the stories. All right, let's get into the synopsis. Because you guys said everything that I think. And I agree with you. And we're friends. We open on a Quarren ship being approached by an Imperial light cruiser. The Quarrens think it's an Imperial warlord. Turns out to be Axewoves, Koskareves, and the other Mandalorian mercenaries who are there to capture and return a Mon Calamari prince to his family. We'll get into the details of that. But... Point being, we cut then to Dinjarin and Bo-Katan arriving at an Outer Rim planet called Plazir 15. This is Jack Black's planet. Or it's Lizzo's planet. Jack Black married into this planet, right? Or it's uh, Epcot for those who like to go to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Either way. Either way is fine. It was Epcot. This is the dome city we saw in the trailer, right? Yes. It was. This, we saw this shot. Yeah. The approach with yep. Bo's We're ship. blind. We're blind now. We're totally blind. And um, this also, this episode also features the very last shot from the trailer. We thought last week we had covered everything, but the droid bar is is the last one, last box checked from the trailer list. Right? They're uh, they're going there to see Mandalorian Axe Wolves and convince him and his followers to join them in reuniting all the Mandalorians. Turns out Axe Koska Reeves and the others had been hired by the leaders of the planet as private security. The planet was formerly aligned with the Empire, so under the Coruscant Accords and the New Republic Amnesty Program, they're not allowed to have their own army, so they've hired the Mandalorians. They've got kind of their outpost where they hang out and play Star Wars football. Whatever, I assume it's full contact, one would assume. (laughs) The the leaders of the planet, Jack Black and Lizzo, invite Bo-Katan and Din in, but ask for a favor before they will allow them to speak to the other Mandalorians, the old, that can be arranged, but... First, we need this from you. Standard mission of the week stuff. They're having a problem with their droid servants. They're servants. They're slaves. Let's be honest. Uh, Malfunctioning and committing acts of violence, destroying the city. Bad crap's happening. So here's the kicker. Many of the droids are reprogrammed separatist battle droids. 
standard little clankers and the big super battle droids. It's not ideal. So Bo and Dean go to investigate while Grogu stays with the Royals to play space cricket or whatever you want to call it. Mike, do you have, did you figure out the name of this game? Is it in the den? I have not figured out the name of it. I can go through and look, but I don't. It seems familiar. It seems like a Clone Wars thing, doesn't it? Like with the roll, the giant roly polies. Yeah. Am I making this up? No, it's, I mean, I, when he rolled it up at the end, I was like, God, we've seen that. I know. I feel like we've seen that bug before. That was like something off Felucia. You know what I mean? Or like, yeah. uh, like chopper base or something. I definitely, I was having moments of where have I seen this before, but it was four in the morning. Give me a break. Yeah. Just get up earlier. It feels like it came from uh, Alice in Wonderland though. Yes. Right. God, there were so many little references and Bryce Dallas Howard, her age, who her dad is. I'm sure you could, you could pick apart every single element of this entire episode. Granted, Fevreau wrote it, but I don't know. You can just see her, her fingerprints all over everything. It's awesome. So they go to investigate. Uh, they go down to the security office. They meet Doc Brown there, of course. He shows them the footage of the droids, you know, kind of the archival footage of, of when the first incidents happen. It's great stuff. It's like, <laughs> it's goofy. And like, it's just so funny. They're like, w- w- the first one, I think he has like a, the clanker has like a, a food tray or something, right? And just starts smashing it on his speeder. It was like emptying trash, right? Uh, trash, that's right. And he yeah. empties it on the <laughs> speeder. It's like Happy Gilmore coming out of the sunroof and emptying the, the food on the, the Mista Mista lady. You know? <laughs> He'll just eat that. Oh God, leave us alone. Get me out of here. So uh, Doc Brown says, if you want specifics, you have to go talk to the Ugnats in the lower levels. They're the droid smiths. So they get down there. Bo tries to talk to them. She's doing her, her standard kind of like royal thing. Like, I am Bo-Katan of Mandalore, and here's what the deal is. Din's like, no, no, bro. Here's how you do it. And speaks to them Kuil style, going all the way back to season one. Says, I'm Din Djarin, Mandalorian. I, I knew Ugnat Kuil. You're going to help us. I have spoken. And they all turn around like, okay. So they, they sit down with them. They sort of make peace. Um, Din gets them to basically tell them what's up with the droids without insulting them is the deal. So they say, okay, here are the droids in question. Here's where likely some shit will go down. They go check out this droid area where they're just like, they're, they're loading a bunch of equipment. Din starts kicking them around, like very Boston Dynamics, testing the big dog robot style, <laughs> you know? Also, also <laughs> though, like, I love that Din, <laughs> Din is kind of like this old, like, racist guy. He's like, yeah, I don't like droids. I don't trust them. I don't do this stuff. And then it's like, well, yeah. if, if you don't like what I'm doing, do something about it, huh, punk? Yeah. And then one of them was like, I'm going to do something about it. I'm out of here. <laughs> So this droid fights back, the super battle droid, and then bails, runs off. They go chasing him. It's a big, awesome chase. And like Avenger style, they're just shooting everywhere, blowing shit up. But they, they get the droid and they find a little, um, what do they call it? A spark box, right? On him. It's basically like a, a little, Star Wars matchbook. Yeah. That has the name so bizarre. of a droid bar. <laughs> For death sticks. Yeah. So do, do, do droids smoke right. death sticks? I mean, what a, do they use the spark? Ignite well, the fire. They get... They get drunk on oil, so they why do. not? So they, they go to this droid bar, and Din's, he's still on his shit. He's still on his old racist, I hate droid shit. He, um, he, he talks to, I guess, the bartender or the manager, and he's not very receptive. So Bo kind of comes in, takes a, gentle, a gentler approach, pleads with the droids, and like really connects with this droid. And he, they had this great conversation that I love that is what I feel like we need 
you know, it's, it's something that started with solo with, with L3 learning how to respect the fact that these droids are sentient. And even though they're essentially slaves, I mean, they literally are slaves. There's something more there than just a stupid machine that you can turn on, on and off, even though you can't just turn them on and off. So it's a good conversation. I'm so glad it's in there. I'm so glad this was directed by a nice woman instead of <laughs> some stupid old man. <laughs> so they find out that some of the, uh, the booze that they're drinking, air quotes, which is called, uh, how do you pronounce that? Nepenthe. Nepenthe. It's a lubricant that has nanoparticles in it to kind of clean up corrupt bits of their code. It turns out that a, a batch of that had some nanobots in it that were programmed to make this stuff happen with the droids. It was, they were purposely malfunctioning. It's like a virus in the water, essentially. And they also see, as they zoom in, they're, they're analyzing this with um, some kind of technician. There's a tiny little etched chain code on each of these little nanobots. They figure out it's Christopher Lloyd's character. So they go to confront him. There's a classic, like, bad guy's going to tell you about his whole plan kind of standoff gives this whole monologue and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to blow them all up kind of thing. It doesn't work out. And right as he's in the middle of his, his monologue, they take him out. They save the day. So they bring this dude to JB and Lizzo. They <laughs> banish him to some planet. They thank them for their help. Say, you can hang here whenever you want. We'll put in a good word for you with the new Republic. Have fun talking to your Mandalorian friends. They go off. Grogu goes with them. Bowen didn't go to see Axe Woves and Cusker Reeves. Axe is being a dick. Bo-Katan challenges him, wins the fight. You know, classic, traditional Mandalorian challenge. It's a great fight. Like, a really awesome fight, I thought. It's a great fight. Even in yeah. the chase, she was doing awesome shit where she'd, like, run and kind of jump and hit the, the jetpack for a second, you know? Yep. Really, really fun stuff. And th there's a one shot when I think she first says, like, do you yield? And then he hits her back, and then they end up on top of the ship. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. You know? They, like, rock it up there. So fun. So she ends up beating him. Axe says something like, you're still not the ruler of Mandalore. If you were, you'd challenge Din for the Darksaber, but you guys are doing whatever you're doing. So then Din comes with a, oh, well, actually, <laughs> says he lost the Darksaber to that gross cyborg thing a few episodes ago. And Bo-Katan, like we talked about earlier, slayed that gross monster. Therefore, he lost the Darksaber. She reclaimed it. She is now the rightful owner of the Darksaber. How do you like them apples? Mm -hmm. So Bo-Katan ignites the Darksaber, we all jump out of our seats, and the credits roll. Did you guys also jump out of your seat? Or am I alone? You're alone in that. Okay. But I cheered wildly from my seat. Figuratively, maybe is what I'm saying. I was very happy. Figuratively jumped, yes. Yes, yes. I think it was, I think at some point it was always expected that she would end up with it at some point, right? And I think the the growth of her, this would be her third time attempting to rule and i think that we're going to have a further development of that because there's going to be more people that i think are going to come you know she's supposed to be uniting mandalore and then you also kind of remember din's apprehension with it in terms of the power and he knows that he's not great at it i mean remember he nearly cuts his leg off in book of boba fett and then he also he's taken it out multiple times he's not he's not awesome with it right i mean it kind of goes to show you the apprehension of the legacy of the sword was never something that he was overly interested in. So it kind of seemed like it was a perfect opportunity for him to give up leadership temporarily before possibly realizing he might not have a choice. And I think him giving the Darksaber to Bogatan 
still allows him to have a choice before he gets called to lead, similar to how Luke's story was. So something to consider. Yeah. He did seem a little more confident or a little less, uh, the the dark saber seemed a little less heavy when he chopped that, that repurposed, uh, torture droid in half. Right. Or is that just me? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think, I mean, he was able to lift it up that high. Yeah. Right. But I think it was, I think it was a point to, you know, the more that you're fighting the blade. Right. And so the idea of using it, not as a, as a tool is different than thinking about the fact that I'm using it in combat. Right. And it's kind of what the, that, it's the same thing. We think about Kanan and Sabine and how she could open it and hold it there and go, yeah, okay, it makes sense. But then as soon as she was asked to spar with it and fight with it, it becomes a thing that you have to connect with, right? So, right. I mean, I, of course, <laughs> Bo-Katan, let's go. It's awesome. So I didn't like, though, that they basically gave away the plot in the recap at the very beginning because they showed you, right? They showed mm. Mando getting captured the Darksaber like rolling away from him and then her picking it up and slicing the thing in half. And so you're like, oh, well, it is Bo-Katan's Darksaber now. Like this is going to come into play at some point, right? Yeah. So it was kind of weird. Like I feel like they should have given us maybe half of that, one of those scenes instead of all three of the pieces in the beginning. And that way when he starts telling the story of like, hey, this isn't a gift, here's what actually happened on Mandalore. But I, I do agree but I also wonder if they're they're like very aware of this debate, like the conversation that we had last week or whatever it was, and figuring like, okay, you guys all know this shit, but you don't really know what the way truly is, what the rules really are until we tell you. You know what I mean? Like we're all just waiting like, okay, yeah, that stuff happened. That, that mean, that's mean it's hers, right? And finally they're like, yes, good job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I felt the same way watching the recap. I was like, well, all all of the key shots, huh? Like even like the eye turning off, I was like, that's a lot of information. Right. But then to get it on a technicality like that, you're yeah. kind of like, I mean, I guess I got it, but it's like they wanted to fight for I'm it. I'm just like counting the points at the end of a soccer season rather than like, you know, a big walk-off home run, you know? It's like a totally <laughs> different vibe. Oh, Adam sports, nice. SG sporting. Hey. Whoa. I am familiar with those two sports, soccer and baseball. Soccer in particular? Interesting. I played more soccer than anything. And then as soon as it mattered in high school and there was real competition, I said, nope, I'm out. <laughs> All right, let's talk about one more thing before we get into the den. Not, oh, you don't really need to discuss it too deeply or like uncover every, anything. I, I just thought it was really awesome how they're, they're continuing to kind of talk about the gray area that all of the, the good guys in Star Wars live in and how the bad guys aren't always the bad guys. If you really zoom out and look at it, yes, they do bad, you know, these people do bad things. These people do bad things. I'm specifically referring to Christopher Lloyd's character talking about Count Dooku and how he said he was a visionary or a genius or something. And Bo-Katan, I think, was the one to say you were a separatist. And he was like, basically like, that's semantics. And I've been thinking about this a ton since I got caught up with the Clone Wars a few years ago. And, and they, keep, they keep talking about it as we, as we keep digging up old Clone War stuff in live action. The Separatists, a lot of times, were just people who just didn't want Republic rule, which by the time of the fall of the Republic was, you know, just one click away from the Empire. Clearly, like, that's how it happened. That's how it all fell into place. 
it wasn't this drastic, like all of a sudden there's a terrible bad guy who just changes the whole country. This shit happens incrementally. It happens that way in the real world. It happens that way in Star Wars. And there was uh, was mention of the techno union, like all this stuff that is, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of OT fans, like the boring politics that they didn't want in Star Wars, you know, a movie that on one hand is totally for kids and on the other hand is very much about dry politics shit. But I, I love that this and Andor and all of the new Star Wars stuff is really exploring that gray area. How did you guys feel? Oh, you're letting me go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Separatist first. Dang. Jeez, shots fired. <laughs> well, you guys have more droids in your house than anybody, so I just figured I'd call it like it is. <laughs> That's very true. We are very... Yep, see? droid rights for all over here. What's um, your husband working on right now for Mosh Eisley? What's he, what's he building? I don't know. I don't think we're announcing that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, if it, if it, no big if it deal. squeaks like a droid and looks like a droid, it's probably a droid. If it farts like a droid. Maybe it was hanging out at the resistor. Who knows? Okay. See? Which by the way, they do not drink separate drinks. They don't have drinks of choice. We learned that too. Uh, he was like, what yeah. booze do they drink? He was like, no dude, that's not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> It's been interesting, like comparing Mandalorian and Bad Batch, right? There's so much of it that is for kids and so much of it that is politics. And I think I noticed it a lot more in this episode that it was like, oh, there's a lot of politics in this one. And I think where it really started churning for me was like, no, the people voted that they want the droids, even if they're a little wonky because they don't want to work anymore. It was very like Wally, mm-hmm. like... We just want to hang out and just like drink our Slurpees and watch our little TVs (laughs) and stuff like that. Like we don't want to do any of this stuff anymore. So we're happy to let the droids do it. And I was like, oh, that's a, okay, we're getting into some, some politics here. But then at the same time, then you look at like this banquet feast that they have where they're all drinking this huge like hurricane that's suspended above the table with their own individual straws. And you're like, what is this? What do they call it? Excretions? Secretions? Do you like secretions? Come on, have a sippy sip. Yeah, that's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The the other amazing thing I just realized, talking about the connections and speaking on the the ambiguity and motivations and what's dark, what's light, who's good, who's bad. Bryce Dallas Howard was the voice of Yaddle in the episode that gave us the depth of Count Dooku's motivation and his turn and everything. Mm-hmm. Peyton made a great point here in the, in the chat. God, I, I know, again, I know Favreau's writing all of this, but Bryce Dallas Howard seems, I don't, I don't know if she was cho- chosen as a director because all of these things lined up and it's so perfect, or if she had a hand in writing or if they did some reworking, threw in some lines, even the Count Dooku thing could be thrown in on the day. Yeah. But it's just, it's so poetic and, and, and really nice. Mike, any thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, this is kind of one of those episodes where it it highlights what Star Wars is always really good at, right? Which is giving us flash and sizzle and bang, and then also having a very, having a byline that makes you really start to think a little bit more about what what's actually happening here, right? So the idea of droids realizing, I mean, he says it almost like in this heartbreaking way of being like, we don't want to be decommissioned. We have personalities. There are many of us in here, and we're not the enemy. Organics made us, right? So it's kind of like a weird thing for them to acknowledge um, that you know we don't have any problems with organics. They're, we're actually quite aware that we wouldn't exist without them. 
And simultaneously, if they're asking- Like an abusive parent dynamic almost. Yeah, it's like, they're basically, it was like the city is run by droids and and organics didn't want to do the mundane jobs that we do, but then we're also just asking for a little bit of respect not to be treated like workhorses where it's like, well, this one got old. Let's take it out back and get a new one. Um, so like there is something, it's 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 always a, a commentary on how we think possibly about our working class or Adam, you just spent time in, in a, not a first world country. Um, and so to see those, to see the difference in that, in terms of like what would be considered, you know, different classes, um, is something to think about in the way that we think about operations. There's tons of people, especially during COVID that when those, some of those resources went away or some, one of those support systems went away, people like got upset about it, but they had never thought to the extent of what it took to operate uh, the world as we know it. And so it's kind of a commentary on a couple of things, but of course, mixed between a great chase sequence, uh, Mandalorian shooting blasters at each other, uh, Bo-Katan, you know, Din Djarin thinking he's going to be the hero by blasting this super battle droid, and then he falls over and Bo-Katan sitting there with both blasters out like, I got this. <laughs> All of that's great, but yeah, there's there's always a... There's always a moment in Star Wars where you kind of go, there's a bigger story here if I really want to look at it, but it's easy to look past because Star Wars is so rad visually. So yeah, this is a this was a Clone Wars episode. Show for kids, genocide, classism. What else you want to talk about? <laughs> we got it. Show for kids. Too political. Show for kids. But on that point, look at the similarities between what was happening with the droids in this episode and what's happening with the clones in Bad Batch being decommissioned yes. and imprisoned and tested on. In the exact same way. Yeah, it's fantastic for sure. They didn't ask for that. They didn't want any of that. But the similarities between the two and the fact that we had both of these shows happening at the same time and they both feed on each other being from different time periods just shows that like history repeats itself. Right. It's almost like the corporate, the greedy corporate overlords at Disney actually care about the story and they're actually working together to make it oh better. Oh my gosh. Come on, Adam. What a shill. Did you see that thing that was like, if you have a problem with Star Wars, the answer is more Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say, the screegy people who don't listen to this podcast are not going to want to hear that. So It's like science. Science f***ed up, and you figure that out with science. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over-print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. All right, let's move on to the den of antiquities. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. It's a Calicori. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. All right. Mike Forrester, 
What do we have? Well, on first views, now this is hard to do. See, we're, we see the people got to understand that we're bringing this content to you hours after it premieres. Okay, so we go back and we miss a couple of things that are always really frustrating. But listen, we're doing a pretty good job here. Okay, so it's quite speculation at this point that the Moncala nobleman's son that Grief Karga originally gives the bounty for in season one of The Mandalorian was probably that guy sneaking away with the Quarren. So that was kind of a fun little throwback. Um, it's not to say that all Mon Cal look alike. I'm not saying that. Please don't tweet at me. <laughs> but it's very, very, That's very... That's racist! Yeah, very, very, very... And that would be a great little throwback. And it makes sense that he's sending other Mandalorians to go track him down because they're just so damn efficient. Um, Bombardier, if you look at his outfit, which was very fabulous, very fantastic, uh, he actually has that A name, name tag, which is stands for uh, reassigned or former Imperial. Amnesty. Amnesty, right. So, so do uh, they have to wear that? I don't know, but he's quite proud Scarlet of- Scarlet letter style. Yeah, he's right. quite proud of letting people know that uh, he is no longer Imperial. Again, going back to Jack Black as an Imperial. Can't see it, but I like it. <laughs> um, this is a really touching one. Uh, this is really cool because this one affects our community, uh, especially my my people over at Armor Party and all of my friends and brothers and sisters of uh, 501st Legion and the uh, costuming clubs. The blue droid. Uh, the blue protocol droid that looks like C-3PO, if you're wondering what a protocol droid is, uh, was actually a tribute to uh, a one of the 3PO's that exists in the Rebel Legion. His name was Pedge uh, Wadley, and he was a costumer, and there are only so many 3PO's. It's a very hard costume to wear, um, but he was actually working on that blue version of the protocol droid in 2020. He was a friend of Justin Sonfields and Chris Bartlett. And unfortunately, he passed away from cancer and Chris continued to build the armor for him and featured it in this episode as a tribute to him. So oh, it's a it's really, amazing. really, really, yep. It's a really cool little moment that I think people will appreciate because the costuming clubs in many ways are a family. And this was a way to let his legacy live on uh, permanently in an episode of The Mandalorian. So to everyone who's involved with that, I see you. I think that's amazing. And it's really, it's a great little story. And I love that that happened. Let's move on to Commissioner Hellgate says that the quack to call in the stifling slimy is from none other than our favorite blue Duros, Cad Bane. Uh, so apparently this is a common thing in case you want to call someone's shit in Star Wars. <laughs> Let's just keep it rolling. Let's see who else can say it. Maybe it'll turn into, I've got a bad feeling about this, but I like it. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen a live-action commando droid. Pretty sweet. Uh, and when you're talking about the droid bar, uh, uh, our buddy Hunter Smoke in the Discord was pointing out that we have droids in this bar from the original trilogy, the prequels, the sequels, from Clone Wars, Galaxy's Edge, and all the way to the extended universe and legends. So in terms of super fans who did their homework, the droid bar is a perfect place to let you know that there are super fans working on this episode. And you say Galaxy's Edge, but truly 
originally we're talking about Star Tours, just a Disneyland droid. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, so it's 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 great to see the uh, the R three unit uh, living his best life and whatever it is that they do. So I think that's awesome. The uh, RX droids uh, finding themselves, and then of course, again, like Sarah pointed out, all enjoying the same drink together. It's lovely. What's the name <laughs> of that drink at uh, on the Star Cruiser, Sarah? That has the four straws that's sticking true. out of it. Oh, that's the crate reactor. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So it's just a bunch of weirdos. Missed just, opportunity. Just drinking the same the thing. needs to. Right. Um, um, according to the internet, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give this one an asterisk. Uh, apparently the Mon Cala, the nobleman's son, was Tom Holland's brother? What? Really? Though? He did sound a lot like Spider-Man, so maybe this is true. Kind of cool. Let's see. We'll need to <laughs> we'll need to fact check that. Um, the guards on Plazier 15 have stormtrooper bodies, and they have the uh, extended poles that are Gamorian axes, which I saw in the background. I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, they have these like beautiful tabards too. Yeah, they're sweet. I mean, the whole thing was like the art direction was on point for this one because you walk in and there's like all these things floating. Right there's like the you have like kind of in in. Uh, Gal in uh, Ogus Cantina, right? You've got like the animals swimming around in the top of the bar and you've got yes, all this yes. stuff, right? So mm -hmm. like they saw that right above, you know, so there's like very much there was supposed to be this like, you know, Eden style moment reveal. Um, and you could see one of the giraffe creatures from Naboo, the Zir. Uh, there was a womp rat on the table that jumps up and he's eating something off the table. And of course, all of the, you know, we had tons of, of aliens there. Uh, going back to the, going, what was the name of the, the bar, the droid bar? The Resistor. Reactor? Resistor. The Resistor. Going back to that place, uh, Seth Gable, it's Bryce Dallas Howard's husband, was the voice of the main barkeep, which I thought was... Look at, oh, the one they talked yeah. to? That, yeah. Like leveled with them? So nice. pretty legit. That's cool. uh, and then uh, the last one that I saw here, which Adam pointed out, is that when they're running by in the... Uh, I don't know what we call... I don't want to say it's the the night... Almost like the, the boardwalk of of plus year 15. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of modified speeder bikes like the mods had in Book of Boto Fed. They're all white, super crispy. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's that seems pretty on point. So uh, pretty stacked for our first run. And I'm sure that we're going to see. The other thing that I want to talk about too is when you see Axe Woves for the first time, over to his right, there is someone which with brightly colored silver armor with a with almost like a blue undersuit. I'm going to go ahead and say that I know that Fen Rao had an inverse colorway of that, but I think that guy, something about it. I'm going to go ahead and say it right here so that someone can check me next episode, but I think there's something about the Fang crew. There's other Mandalorian pilots, and I think mm. there's something going on there because I was looking at that going, hmm, interesting. Color choice, everything. So I'm going to leave that there for the Den of Antiquities, and let's see where else we can go from here. Nice. All right. We're going to hurry up and do I Love You, I Know. I love you. I know. Sarah, do you have some favorite moments, quotes, or scenes from the patrons to tell us about? I do indeed. So, Lit. overwhelmingly, I would say 80% of the patrons' favorite moments was the duel between Bo and Axe. Mm, like wow. big time. And the one I'll call out specifically was when Axe throws her off the ship and she catches him with that cord. The whip and just cord. Like the, yeah. That was one of my favorite moments was just the use of the jetpacks and them just flipping around like, what a battle. 
a live action Great battle. Choreography. Even. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, one of the other ones <laughs> was uh, Grogu playing Force Polo. <laughs> <laughs> there was another one that was really good. Um, Cheater. Lizzo giving, which we didn't call this out, and I'll I'll call this as my favorite moment. Was that Grogu's now a knight? Oh yes. Yeah, but um, a bit. let's yeah. see. Jason said. His favorite moment was Lizzo giving little Sir Grogu head scratches as the best thing this season. You can't change my mind. I love the way he was he was grabbing onto her dress the whole time. It was you know her robe. It was super cute. And then for favorite quote, hands down, all across the board. I don't even think I've seen another quote. Was they had me at battle droids? Yes, <laughs> that was good. He just he just drops little nuggets every once in a while. <laughs> like, you know the oh I'm ready to kick some of their asses. Please just let me. <laughs> I like those odds. You had me at battle droids, you know, just good little nuggets. That's thinking with your head. That's using your head. Yeah. That's what it was. That was like, we didn't mention it at the time, but that being a Terminator knockoff scene, tribute scene, my bad. That was a straight up Arnold quote, like let off some steam Bennett, you know, yeah. like. Like Mr. Freeze yeah. type of lines. Exactly. Uh, Sarah, you, did you say Grogu being knighted was your favorite? What did you say was your favorite quote? Or my favorite would have been. The duel, but the duel, got it, got it. That's the patrons, so I'm not going to steal from the patrons. So I would say just all of the interactions between, honestly, is Lizzo for me. Wow. When she stands up in the very beginning, and that like holograph train mm -hmm. design thing follows her around, and then she like does an abrupt turn where her back is to the city. I was like, oh, Stephen, could you make something like that? Could you? But Grogu... I mean, with some shears and some LEDs, like right? you could pull it off. But Grogu and Lizzo together was just super cute. And as a mom, I really related to it. So this will go into kind of my favorite quote, which I had. To, I have another one I'll get to. But when she was like, can I hold your baby, please? And she's like super excited. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, he doesn't really like people. And then she pulls out a little fish or some food and he just like four sleeps into her lap, like no stranger danger or whatever. Yeah. Mando like didn't just like, cocks his head a little bit like you've got to be kidding me like dude i think even like Ugh. yeah <laughs> like i know that feeling as a mom to be like i just i just said you weren't going to do this and you went and just did it just <laughs> yeah. to just to go against what i'm saying like i very deeply related with that but as betty bantha my favorite quote was let's address the bantha in the room yes <laughs> god that was so good this is so good mike what about you what's your favorite um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of art direction. The more and more I get into appreciating costumes, um, I, I have to, assuming, I know she definitely listens to this podcast for sure. So, um, Charlotte Terpsick <laughs> and her team of costumers really being able to do both sides of, uh, character development in this episode. Um, kind of the point I was saying about that Mandalorian standing to the right of Axe with this bright silver armor. If you look at the the all of the Mandalorians that are on planet, I know some of them in the background have been replicated. It's not they're not live actors, right? Um, but they all have like a, this navy blue, kind of midnight blue and dark gray. Almost all of them have that that similar colorway. Um, and then to go 
and say, we're building this team or we're building this group of Mandalorians that are supposed to be connected. And then to go and be able to flip over and do almost like even more expressive, even a, almost like a level above Coruscant uh, in, in terms of like its, its uh, like flashiness. And um, I, I thought mm-hmm. the art direction of this whole episode was just very cool. That felt like it makes sense of why of the humans are indulging in their, you know, their their preferences and you know if the whole town is doing the whole town is run by droids doing stuff we don't want to do we can do things like gallivant and wear fancy clothes (laughs) and eat you know fresh fruits and blah 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 um so i thought that like everything about it really was was awesome i think naturally i'm going to be excited about the the fight was awesome i want to see more mandalorian combat just in general because that's that's such a it seems like we're leading to that point of we're getting to to get that big conflict and i did like Bo's quote of saying, it's not a gift to be given no matter how well-intentioned when she's talking about the Darksaber. I was like, she's learned from that because Sabine, she has a reason to say that because she's failed trying that. And so I was like, that was a great little little line as insignificant as it was to, I would say probably the episode overall, but in that moment, it was pretty powerful for Din to be like, you know what, then it's not a gift and goes over to explain it to the rest of them. And yeah, I thought it was, it was great. Agreed. I I had multiple times in this goofy ass episode where I choked up a little bit in that nostalgic kind of fan service way that I do because I'm just like an emotional. I'm I'm an emo. I can't confirm. So <laughs> I had a ton of moments like that, and it, dude, even Jack Black showing up, it was just so fun. And I I know like again, like we said at the top, this, this is a polarizing episode, but I just had so much fun with it that it's hard to pick a favorite. But on the, you know, 80s action movie fan level, it's for sure the the battle at the end, like the patrons said. But the one I think I connected most, most emotionally with and appreciated most and was most pleasantly surprised by was the conversation with the manager, bartender droid, in the droid bar. Yeah. That whole interaction, that whole, that whole scene, actually, seeing all of those droids together, their mannerisms were all so good. I could only imagine what, like, the... Like I would assume they they built that whole thing on an elevated stage, and there were just a shit ton of droid operators underneath, or you know, with remotes, or I mean, dozens of people, right? There, there, uh, there was a good like two dozen droids all going, what, you know, or interacting, and just like it was just really, really well done. And then the the continuing conversation about droid rights and their sentience and everything is something that I really, really connect with. Being vegan, being an animal lover, and that might be hilarious to some people, but the parallel is glaring to me. It's like right, right there to be acknowledged and and thought more deeply about. So I'm going to go with that as my favorite scene and overall kind of theme in, in the episode. Let's see. Do we have anything left or should we get out of here and speculate with the patrons after we hit stop? One thing that we didn't even note is in that opening scene when the captain is in her water tank. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, we're being approached. And she's like, okay, one second. And then the tank just drops away and like drains of water and she's automatically sitting in her chair. Yeah. (laughs) That was so impressive. And if we didn't have all this other kooky stuff in the rest of the episode, we would be just like screaming yeah. about how cool that was. And the cocktail with the fish in it that they dumped in the... The the fish cocktail. (laughs) But the fact that like we've been talking about all these other crazy things that happened, that alone was really cool. Yeah. And they also didn't, you know, it wasn't like 
Jurassic World Dominion style where all of a sudden she was bone dry after getting out of the water. Mm-hmm. Like she was still dripping and stuff. Like it, that's what it's like to be on a, you know, a Moncala or a Quarren ship. You're probably going to... Everyone's wet. Your socks are going to get wet if you're walking around without shoes. And her uh, her tentacles on her mouth. Mandibles. Yeah. yeah. So, the animation, so nice yeah, and comforting just, on your face. Just hugging yeah. his face. Like, I love that. And that ship... God, mm. we're trying to wrap it up, but that ship, that design aesthetic, that visual language is very similar to the Moncala, but also seems to be pulling from some other sci-fi stuff. Like I got Fifth Element kind of vibes, some other like you know, late 20th century kind of stuff. And it's just beautiful. Good looking ship. Side note, Jesse Graff. Wasn't that the woman who did the um, American Ninja Challenge? I got to look this up. Jesse Camp from MTV. Yes. You know who I'm talking about? That name sounds super familiar. Yeah, she did American Ninja Warrior. She's like super jacked and did that and was like one of the... Yeah. She just like power ripped through the qualifying run for that American Ninja Challenge. Um, she was one of the mm. stunt actors for uh, Bo-Katan. Oh, whoa. Ah. Her and Joanna Bennett. Pretty cool. Whoa. I wonder... Okay. That's interesting. Makes me think of something. All right. Um, let's wrap up and we'll talk with the patrons for a little bit after we... I almost said hang up like we're on a phone call. Um, after we wrap this, um, the two of you being people who have other podcasts should shout that out real quick before we go. Mike? Yep. We have a new episode of Armor Party rolling out here pretty soon. Uh, and I'm sure there will be lots of new announcements from Celebration. And so uh, I'll be sharing a lot of costume-related stuff this weekend from people who are sending me stuff. I know there's a lot of people who are premiering new costumes at Celebration. So follow along at Armor Party Show on Instagram and find us wherever you get your podcasts just like this. Sarah? I am part of Princess and Scoundrel. It is a podcast that I host with my husband. Um, You can find us on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we are also throwing the biggest Star Cruiser takeover to date on the absolute best day to do it, which is going to be May 4th. We'll be on Batuu on our excursion, May 4th, spending the rest of our day back on Star Cruiser. It's going to be this huge takeover. There is a pre-party being thrown by Heroes of the Halcyon. There's an unofficial after party that's not associated with Halcyon at all. So anybody can go that's local to Orlando. Um, So follow us on socials and get more info there. Come hang out. Speaking of parties, we're throwing the biggest and best party. Not to diminish the parties that you're talking about, but we all know (laughs) that Maj Eisley, San Diego, the weekend of San Diego Comic-Con is going to rip that is July 21st. Tickets are still available. We have merch packages. We have standard tickets. Um, all the VIP stuff, super VIP stuff is sold out, but tickets are still available. Go get those, moshisley.com. We're going to drop some new merch pretty soon. And that's all I'm going to say for now. Follow the podcast on social media at Thank the Maker Pod. Brothers and sisters, thank you for being here. Patrons, thanks for being patrons. Listeners, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible.